Thank you, man. It's uh, it. My my dad around this time every year will start asking me uh, about the summer schedule. He'll say, "Hey, what are some of the festivals that are coming up?" Because the Jazz Fest begins to release its lineup, and then you know there's a Techno Fest. No, my dad don't go to the Techno Fest. But Detroit is known for its festivals. Uh, people from all over actually come to our city because of the cool festivals that we have. And, and I'm not originally from here, but because many of you are, you may not realize how rich and how beautiful something like that is because you've been around it all the time. It's a part of your normal rhythm but it's not for people that are not from Detroit, and so they will flock in, come, and celebrate during these festivals. This season, right after Christmas, is a festival season for much of the church. The church in different parts of the world actually celebrate this season even more than Christmas. It's the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is this situation where uh, these three magi come and they get to see Jesus. And so because that is like kind of the, the time where Gentiles get to experience Jesus, other cultures throw these gigantic festivals with people marching down the streets. And it's even bigger than what we would say is our Christmas because they see it as the time when people got to actually experience and see the Christ first as Gentiles. And so we are going to join in with the church universal. We're going to take a step back from what our culture says. Our culture says Christmas happened. Keep it moving. No, no. We're going to jump in and continue with the church universal that says something amazing happened. It has implications for your life don't just move to the next. Rest in your Jesus, your Emmanuel, your child with us, and what that means for us today. So if you would join me, please, we're going to look at this concept of epiphany found in Matthew, first book in the New Testament, and we're going to look at chapter 2, Matthew, chapter 2, and we're just going to look at verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It'll be up here on the screen. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. 
And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. We're going to dive in with that, with this first verse. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Wise men from the east. Who are these wise men? These uh, this term has a few different associations. Sometimes we call this story the three kings. It's been called the magi. It's been called the wise men. We, from this story here, don't have a ton of information about the magi. Actually, throughout history, we don't have a ton of scriptures that talk about them. Uh, one of the most noted places uh, you can find in Daniel. And Daniel has this interaction with with the king and Daniel helps the king interpret some dreams and then the king makes Daniel chief of the magi, chief of the wise men. So who are these guys? The, the, the wise men were some guys that dabbled in a little bit of everything. For the most part, if you needed answers, you came to them. So imagine these different areas. Imagine if you tried to get a a degree in college, and we was like, what's your major? And your major was like, uh, geology, chemical law, history. <laughs> like, huh? How, how does all that seem to go? To? How does geology, chemical law, yeah, we'll see that the, these magi kind of rolled like that. So on one hand, they were interpreters of dreams. As, as visions and dreams would come about, these magi would help you understand it. So they had the, the dream aspect of it, which some of y'all are already like, hmm? They in the Bible interpreting dreams? Okay, let's see. Let's see about these guys. Okay, so you got the dream side. Then you have the scripture side. They actually were a, a group of people during a time where most folks didn't read. These magi could read. And they actually would read through the scriptures. They read through some other things in addition to the scriptures, but the scriptures were one of the main doctrines that they read. So they were dream interpreters. They were scriptural readers. They also dabbled in astronomy, trying to read the stars and allow the stars to speak to them in matters of faith. They believed that there was a God who controlled the stars and would help you understand life through revealing things through the stars. So they had this, this understanding of dreams, this, this understanding of reading the scriptures, this looking into the stars and using the stars to help understand faith and life. And it was this crazy concoction that was all built together, this they, they were called the wise men because they sought after knowledge. I was doing a, uh, a study and the, the term knowledge is actually scientia 
in Latin, which is where we get our word science. And so in no way would, would these men who back in the day might have been deemed scientists have seen a separation between faith and fact. They actually were people who saw that faith would help them be able to find answers, answers that could be proven, that could be tested, that could be affirmed in scriptures. And they were a little bit of this combo of everything. And we see right out the gate that God brings them in as a key character to help you understand who he is. But it's a little weird, ain't it? I mean, would, would you have chosen among those who are going to worship Jesus, some folks who dabble in astronomy, star reading, some folks who dabble in trying to make sense of scriptures through the sky? I, I, I wouldn't have. But I think right out the gate, we're starting to see how God is trying to help us understand the beauty of the extent of his reach. That maybe when God starts to draw people to do something called worship, we're not always prim and proper and fit into the nice, neat box of Christianity. Amen. I was talking to a brother who um, who was who did not love the Lord at all. And he told me a part of well, he loves the Lord now, but he was telling me that a part of his story was he found peace in gardening. And it was in gardening that he would touch dirt and he would begin to care for things and stand back and see something look beautiful. And then something happened. There was this concept called grafting where you take one plant and another plant and you can bring them together and they make one new plant. Made that concept of, a, of adoption where at one point you were far from God. He loves you, brings you close, and then brings you into and makes you into one new family that, that God would use something like gardening to grab this brother's heart. How he saw Hey, it might be a couple of them, but you can't. You ain't got a long list of plants that can live without light. Wait, Jesus is the light. You know, God can use whatever. There was some other greenery while I was in college that I was using too often. And uh, some beverages I wasn't supposed to be going that deep on. And while I was in the midst of this haze, I realized that I was doing it to try to impress others. Amen. And so I paused for a second and said, well, why do other people partake in these things? <clears throat> Lord, why do I do anything? What, what are, am I people pleasing? What are, and it led me down this road of questions to ask from why am I doing this substance to actually what is my purpose? Amen. And God grabbed my heart. You see, family, don't, don't discount the wise men because their backgrounds seem a little jacked up. And maybe, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I can see people's starting place and be like, I don't know if you're going to come to Jesus. Let me go somebody that's a little bit closer. 
So why even talk to this Hebrew Israelite? So why even talk to this atheist? Why even, why even go there with, with this dope boy on the corner? Why even talk to, to, the, to, the, to the person who is so consumed by themselves and what they are into, whether it be their entrepreneurial task or whether it be their family situation? We can find ways to worship just about anything and try to find peace in it, whether it be gardening or our jobs, and we'd be so far from the Lord and family. Don't you write them off because they don't seem like there's a, a hint of hope in them. I love that the wise men start welcoming us into this text because they don't seem like your normal person who's coming to worship Jesus based on their background. We, we, we know they dabbled in some stuff, but we also know they dabbled in the scriptures. Look at verse two. Verse 2 says, saying, when they rolled up, they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You don't walk into a conversation saying, where is king of the Jews if you didn't read the scriptures? You don't come into a church asking, how do I know Jesus if nobody's ever said anything to you? I mean, maybe you had one of them them uh, uh, um, um, spirit dream vision experiences but most of the time when we've had people that connect with our church it's been seeds planted over time I'm definitely not arrogant enough to think that it was me for the first time that started them introduced them to Jesus shared Jesus and they came to know Jesus no I'm thankful that sometimes I meet a person and they've been touched by five or six of you in the room And these, these wise men are wise because they pursue knowledge. But within that knowledge, they pursue the scriptures. And they come into this place saying, where is he? He who's been born king of the Jews. Now, king of the Jews is a, is a unique term that, that is separate just for Jesus. And it's crazy because you hear it now. And you're like, wow, I never realized that that phrase was associated with Jesus this early in his ministry. I mean, Jesus is 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 we just celebrated his his birth. But you do remember it a little bit later, right, when when some folks are rolling dice to see who's going to get his clothing. When they're putting together a a crown of thorns that they're going to put on his head. And then they nail up this, this statement about him. Jesus, king of the Jews. You see, this title reigns through. It's been prophesied from back to Balaam in Numbers 24. Now it's being shared by the wise man, and it's going to be his title, but in mockery as he goes to the cross. But we know. He is the king. He is the king. That was in Matthew 27, 37 that they, that, they, that they mocked him with that title. But we see that there's a, 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 a confirmation that happens for them. 
because they are coming and they're trying to find where this king is and they roll up on the king Herod. Look with me in verse 3. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, Herod is a, 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 a man of power, a man of, of position, a man of authority. Herod is the king, but Herod is supposed to be the one who loves Jesus. He's the king of the Jews. But the city officials have made Herod the king. So he is actually not a believer at all, but he just is in charge of the believers. So when these men roll in and they're asking, where is the king First off, he feels threatened. And how do you respond when you feel threatened? How do you respond when you feel backed into a corner? How do you, how do you respond when you feel like somebody is challenging your position? Because let me, add, let me see how it works for you if somebody comes in and says, hey, we got a new guy coming in. What's your position, vice president? This new guy's coming in as vice president. Uh, uh, what, who? That's, that's how they roll in. Hey, we're looking for the king. King. And now he feels threatened. Now he feels as if his authority is being challenged. And so what he does is what, what he's known to do. He plots. Sadly, Herod has plotted a number of times. Herod has taken out his wife. He did have 10. Now he got nine. He took out three of his sons. Like Herod has a heart that is only pleased by having power and authority as king. And he does not want to relent. But. Sometimes the person that's supposed to be walking with the Lord is the furthest away. Don't you miss that Herod in word was the king of the Jews, but indeed couldn't be further from it. He rejects that this king is going to be is going to be king. And that is ultimately the challenge that Jesus presents to each of us. Herod is the king on the throne. He rejects Jesus taking his seat on the throne. And that is the challenge that Jesus makes to each of us when we are presented with the opportunity to worship him. Will you be the king of your throne? Are you in charge of your life? Are you willing to relinquish power for the sake of God's leading? Same challenge that Herod had, we all have as individuals in our personal lives. And it may be a question of once you come to faith, but it's also a daily question you have to ask yourself. Will I relinquish power for the king to lead? Will I relinquish power for the king to lead? So we learn at this early stage of Jesus's life that there's a that that we have um, these wise men that are coming in to worship him. They're looking for him. You got this King Herod who is not feeling him at all and is now 
plotting, calls the chief priest in, says, all right, I need y'all to get on this. Tell me where he is. In verse 5, they say, hey, he's in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. We, we get a beautiful understanding of what it means to know about God, but not live for him. Know about God and not live for him. Notice the posture of the wise men. Wise men are coming. Where is he? How do I find him? How do I find this Christ? Where do we go? Herod says, let me call up my people, the Jews. The Jews know where he is. Let me call chief priest. Let me know where he is. Chief priest say, oh, he right over there. And then they don't go. The chief priests know where the king is going to be born, know where the Messiah is going to come, and the chief priests tell an outside visitor where to go to find him. And yet they don't go themselves. Family, don't you get caught up in the, in the, the, the numbness of Christianity where we have our rhythms, our norms, and we're not willing to allow the Holy Spirit to wake us up and allow us to deviate. Sometimes you're supposed to pause and go have a conversation with someone that's out of the ordinary. Sometimes you're supposed to be willing to give generously, maybe in a way you don't usually give generously. Sometimes you're supposed to be awakened and shaken out of your normal rhythm. These chief priests, they knew the word. When Herod comes to them to find out the word and where this king is going to be, they say right over there, it's been in the scriptures. You ain't know that, Herod? We know that. So why not join the wise men and say, Herod, <laughs> I know you're in charge, but a new king coming. Let's ride, wise men. Let's ride. Instead, they continue in their normal rhythm and pace. Let's go back to studying. Don't you let Satan lead you to a hovering Christianity where you just don't autopilot throughout your faith. Yep, we go to church, pray over the food. Each kid get a dollar, put it in the tithe and offering. Got my yellow prayer card this week. Do you do you do you do you do you see that there's a a, a, a temptation to be lulled into rhythms instead of a, a radical posture for Christ? By radical, I don't mean that you gotta go stand on the corners and yelling and screaming for Jesus. What I mean by that is and nobody can dictate and peg you. They don't they can't put you in a put you in a box because you're radical. You don't you don't conform to everybody else's norms. At any point you can be used by God for this purpose. At any point you can be used by God for this purpose. At any point God could disrupt your whole day. 
but it actually be a day intended for him to use you to glorify himself. It ain't disrupted. It's obedience. And sadly, we see through these people a lulling to sleep of the faith family. We starting in 2020. I know a lot of y'all have made resolutions. I told y'all to do a couple stop illusions. Y'all still don't know what that means. It's okay. Go back and listen to the sermon. But the, but, 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 but the hope is not that we just, just try to like name the five things we want to do better in our lives. The hope is to say, Lord, how do you want to use me? Here I am, pliable, willing to be used by you and give me the strength to be, to be humble, to respond in faith, to not check off the boxes of the faith that's just good enough to get by. But we also get insight into what the king is going to be like. In verse six, it says, from you shall come a ruler who will be a mighty tyrant. Who will be kicking over kingdoms. Who will be forceful and avenge all wrongs. No, it says in verse six, from you shall come a ruler who will be a Shepherd. Shepherd. Giving us insight of the type of king that we are looking forward to having. The type of king that loves us and is with us dearly. This commentary writer named Elwell and Baker wrote in this uh, uh, Bible encyclopedia. They wrote the task of the shepherd was to care for the flock to find grass and water and to protect it from animals, to look for and to restore any that has strayed, to lead the flock out of each day going before it and to return the flock at the close of day uh, to the fold. At times, the shepherd led the flock far from home and sheltered the animals by night in a cave or sheep fold built of field stones. He would lie across the entrance at night to protect the sheep. This is our king. One who's willing to guide, protect, and make sure we are cared for. This is our Jesus. And so this is the Jesus that they are coming to look for. This is the, the, what, what's bringing these wise men many miles. Look at me at verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. I'm uh, I'm, I'm 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 blown away by stuff like this. Because in, in a, I'm not an astronomy person like I even took a class in college and they'd be like, there's the Big Dipper. And I'm like. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I try. I can't see anything in the sky. I, but but, but what is, what's interesting here is that a, typically a, a star of this magnitude that guided these men. Now, these men are coming from the east, which is most likely Persia. Persia is like about eight, nine hundred miles away. Persia is like 
Birmingham, Alabama to Detroit. And you got to get there on camel. How long is that ride? You rolling for some months. They are guess, estimating that it might have been up to two years that they are following this star before they get to the king. I mean, we remember uh, Jesus is now, he's not in the manger anymore. He's now in a house. Like, like th this, is, this is a journey. This is a journey. This is, this is, you have left your family. You have left your civilization. Sometimes they call them the three kings because the, the, they, they were uh, believed to have great wealth because of the gifts they presented Jesus, which we'll talk about in a quick sec. They, they've, kings, mostly kings, rolled with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So there's an assumption that they were kings. We don't know that for sure. We also don't know for sure that there was three. It became tradition in about the third century that there was three, but it just says wise men. I, I don't know if they started out with 40 wise men and now that one of them camels was like, ooh, I'm. Because <laughs> it was a journey. But what we do know is that over the length of this journey, the one thing that guided them was the star. A star. Isn't it interesting that when you are seeking God, God will allow something to shine that stands out that sometimes nobody else will see it. Sometimes when you are following the Lord and you are seeking him, you might not even understand who he is. You are desiring him deeply and there'll be something that just stands out and it just shines and it's just a, a glimmer. I remember we were, and I, I, I tell this story all the time, but it's, it's just a, it's a part of my story. We were uh, pledging my fraternity and uh, my fraternity has Christian men that help start it. It's not a Christian fraternity, but Christian men help start it. So we're saying this thing, and we're, 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 we have this saying that's like a chant, and we're saying it over and over. Well, I'm at this point, like, my hands are numb, my feet are numb. We've been saying da -da 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 for like three hours now. Now, I'm in a group with like eight guys. We're all saying the same thing. And that was one of the clearest moments when the same thing I said with eight other people communicated to me that God was real. I had about four things all in the span of like a couple of days of me seeking God. And that was one of the clearest. But everybody else around me kept da 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 You have those moments too. Maybe it wasn't a chant, or maybe it wasn't a star, but there was a time where you were seeking God, and he made something that to everyone else in the room just seemed so, so basic. But to you, it's like, that's God. That's God speaking to me. That's God talking to me. These men have been looking at stars for, for months, years. 
you can almost imagine them talking like, hey, we go meet up. We got the we got we got the, 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 the weekly meeting, right? Where we just break it down, get the scriptures out and try to interpret these dreams. And did you see the star? I saw the star. Did y'all see the star? No, no nobody else. I guess we then are going on this trip. Why do I say something like that? I say that because as you seek the Lord, sometimes you might look a little weird to other people who don't see the star. Other people who don't see how God is leading you. Other people who don't understand that Jesus is doing something in you, that he has shown himself to you, and he is calling you to do something that might be different than the norm. I guarantee you there was people that were in the city of the wise man of Persia and they kept living their lives. I, 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 I don't, I, you know, I do like to celebrate y'all. I, I brag on y'all all the time. But um, I like, so there's, there's this side of me, right, that like loves balling. Don't tell on me. It loves balling. And, and, and there's like, you know, I sometimes watch like the houses of the rich and famous or like the yachts of P. Diddy. I know, don't get, don't get me, y'all. Don't get me. <laughs> and so there was this, I was just reading an article about this man who was a Bitcoin dude. And uh, basically he got all his wealth or whatever. Da, 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 da. Well, one of the reasons, one of the ways they found out that he was a lot different, that he had come up from poverty, was he went into this yacht store. And the yacht place usually only sees people who are entrepreneurs or surgeons. People who are entrepreneurs or surgeons. And in that moment of seeing this show, I thought, look at God. Like my brother Josh and Colette on, on the path <laughs> of being a surgeon. You can give me a yacht later for this. On the path... <laughs> But 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 he but he saw God leading, leading not in the normal way as as most surgeons end up. And they are actually a group by which this whole place that builds nothing but wealth pursues. Not that. No, actually, God is leading me in another way. To help care for those who don't know Jesus, to help the hurting. This is not to commit you forever. I think the last update y'all was still going, right? Okay, yeah, they still going. But sometimes what God will do as, the, as he leads you is going to be different than the norm. It's going to be different than what the average person would expect. And I love the way that these folks roll up, travel some 800 to 900 miles. And you know they had one purpose in mind. They said it in verse 2. Look back with me in verse 2. He says when he got there, what did they come to do? They came to, uh, we saw his star, it rose, and we have come to do what? Worship. We came to worship. Then they this is this is how jacked up the scenario is. They were following God. Have you ever like 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 thought you arrived somewhere and then you get there, but you got to wait even longer 
Come on, you know you had to go to the bathroom real bad, get there and find out somebody in there. You're like, oh! They've traveled a crazy distance, got to the king, and the king says, he's not here. Let me find somebody that can tell you where he is. So now, the star that was just sitting like this, that guided them all the way there, is now going to walk with them like this. It says the star at one point rose and then, hold up, and after listening to the king, they went on over and the star, then they had seen when it rose before them uh, until it came to rest over where the child was. So at one point, they just following it, seeing it, but then from the point of head to the house, the star guides them, takes them the extra step, takes them further in their journey. Family, these men had a tough journey, a long journey, and I think that helped contribute towards their celebration. They say in, in verse 10, when they saw the star, they saw the star, like how it was leading them, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And then going into the house, because now they know we're here. <laughs> we are here. Like, like, finally, we got to that place. Like, 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 like going to, I don't see y'all. Do y'all go to see Disney World? Do y'all go to, um, not, shoot, no, see the point. You know that line, be doing all like this, all like this. And then you finally get up to your turn. And they are overjoyed. Verse 11 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Worshipped him. Worshipped him. This was a journey of worship. Started out kind of a jacked up background. But a desire to worship led them far away from home. But a desire to worship allowed them to be led in a way that maybe some other people weren't able to see, living radically for God with a desire to worship. And then lastly, they, in verse 11, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Things that are worth things that are valuable, things that are costly. You see, at some point, we all as believers get challenged like Herod. Are you going to let this God be on the throne of your life? We all get challenged like these, these chief priests. You hear about God, but will you do something with it? Is the Bible just another, just another book? That you can learn about the word, but not have to apply the deed. But then these men model for us what worship looks like. The presenting of something that is costly. Yeah, they, they come with gold. 
They come with frankincense, which was an, an expensive fragrance then. Myrrh. They, they are bringing, but, but, but it's not about you giving of dollars. It's about you giving of your life. I've been richly blessed by friendships and by time with people. God is richly blessed by that even 10 times more than we can be. You know what it's like to feel loved, to be in a relationship with someone, a good friend. And when they call, you just feel like, oh, I'm so glad you called. I wanted to talk to you. I needed somebody right now. A, 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 a kind embrace by someone, a loving remark, good support. That's what God desires from us unto him. He wants us to give him ourselves. Spend time with me in 2020. Give something costly. Maybe you spend all your time and you hold your money too tight. Then be financially generous. Maybe you give financially, but your time is yours. And you got 10 minutes for God, 10 minutes for friends, and the rest I'm on my plan. Don't deviate me from my plan. That don't sound too radical to me. Don't sound too spirit-led to me. And so my hope as we hear these men is that we would not see ourselves following in the ways of Herod or in the ways of the chief priests. I love this story, man, because it's, it, it's people that you wouldn't expect kicking off worship of a king who's coming in a way that you wouldn't expect. You don't expect the king to come as a shepherd. And if you could have picked who was going to worship him, you wouldn't have picked these men. But I think that's a beautiful story of all of our lives. Of each and every one of us. They end the story. And what's crazy is we don't know, like, what happens generationally. Like, we don't know, like, and then they go off to start 30 churches or they go off as missionaries. We don't actually know that for the wise men. What we know is the last kind of sign we have of them is one of obedience. Look with me at verse 12. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Mm. Them, them same dreams that they dabbled in in the beginning, them same dreams that we would have thought was weird, those same dreams that some of us would have discounted them and said, no, nah, man, you can't come up in here with that stuff, is the way that God uses for their good. As, as God uses to show that they've been obedient with me all along, and I got them. I'm not saying tomorrow go home and dabble in, in, in dream interpretations. I'm not trying to be an advocate to tell you how to go and allow the spirit to work. What I'm saying is, family, let's be willing to be used by God in word and in Deed. It's funny, man. Sometimes I feel like, like, Lord, I need to finish the sermon with a different message, a different message. But that's what the text say. 
I can't, I can't, I can't get away from this one. Where he's lovingly showing us that you get a, a choice to choose what character you'll model yourself after and who you be willing to open up yourself to. Matthew says something about this. I like in Matthew chapter 6. 6 verse 33. I think it's up here. I don't think it says, but seek first perfect and whole, prim and proper, clean and prepared, the kingdom of God. And no, it says, but seek first. And I just think the way you seek can look very different. The way in which you seek God can look very different, but it ultimately is not how you seek him. It is the end goal that you are seeking first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you are seeking God's kingdom through your workplace, and that's not just justification for you to be a workaholic, if you are seeking the kingdom through lifting up and pouring into your family, and that's just not not a excuse to be a, 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 a child worshiper and make your family. A, if you are seeking the kingdom of God and loving your neighbors and not just a, 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 a badge for you to be the social justice. Like if you are seeking the kingdom first. And his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. My prayer, family, is that we would be seeking God passionately. But that we would also be willing to understand that others may be seeking God in some different ways and that we would be bringing forth to them the scriptures. I love that, that these men, while maybe un, not so normal, had the word which meant that in Persia, a place where the word did not dominate, somebody was sharing the gospel with them. Somebody was telling them about Jesus. Somebody in a, in a culture that was not learned was talking to them about Jesus. And I bet they never thought that the person that they shared the gospel with was going to be the first Gentile to go see the king. God could use you in that way to spark the next person who leads a revolution for the kingdom if we are just faithful to share the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the, the model of these wise men. We pray that you would use all things, God, to bring your name glory, that we would not be lulled into a a, a, a hovering pattern of Christianity, but would be open to you using us how you see fit. God, we are thankful for your, your love for us. May someone come into a loving relationship with you as a result of uh, hearing your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray.